be seated. morning church. Merry Christmas. If you need to scoot to the middle to make room for guests as they come in, please do that. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. I mean, never mind. Uh, no, hey, it's great to be with you today. You know, Christmas, a lot of people are out traveling and a lot of people are out seeing their family. Um, but one of the things that uh, is most important for Christmas, obviously, for us is the birth of Jesus. And we are still in the midst of Advent until, uh, until we celebrate his actual birth. And Advent is about hope. It's about believing that God is going to come into this world and into our circumstances, and he's going to do something. Uh, he's going to redeem us. He's going to redeem our world. And for Advent, we've been looking at several different women and how they've coped. And we've looked at uh, women who are prostitutes, uh, We've looked at women who are matriarchs. Uh, we've looked at uh, women who are just average, ordinary citizens of the world. And today we look um, really at a teenage woman or a young woman who finds herself in a predicament. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, a lot of times uh, we go through the Christmas story and uh, we think kind of like we do our little plays with her good and we get together on Christmas Eve and we light our candles and it's always kind of this sweet, nice, beautiful little moment, but Mary is really a person of hope, and today what I want you to see is that she wasn't just a person of hope for nine months, she was a person of hope for nine months plus 33 more years. Um, when she brought and birthed in this person, Jesus, uh, this person that the whole world was hoping for, she had to go through 33 years and a lot of circumstances to see if that hope was going to come true, to see if that hope was genuine. Did we lose again? Just that side. All right. So what I want to do is I want to walk you today through Mary's journey and some of her circumstances and some of the things that she was going on. Most of the time when we look at the Christmas story, we usually start in Luke. So what I'm going to do is we're going to read kind of some scriptures. I'm not going to read everything. I'm going to kind of paraphrase, but you can kind of see the context that we're talking about that the story. So in Luke, it starts in chapter 1, verse 26. Um, we see that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Mary. So he sends this angel to Mary. And he says, um, and he basically comes and he says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But the interesting thing about this is this angel comes to Mary, says she's highly favored. And I love this phrase in here. Mary was greatly troubled. Mary was greatly troubled. Now this is kind of an interesting phrase. So God comes, God sends his angel, God sends his messenger to Mary, and she's not like, woohoo, I gotta tweet this as soon as I can so everybody knows. You know, I, I gotta hurry up and Facebook it. I gotta get on the phone and tell um, Dolores because she's the best to get news out there quickly. Instead, she's troubled when God shows up to her. She, you know, it's, it's sometimes we get this idea that when God shows up, it just gets like uh, peachy keen easy. But I wonder if Mary understood the stories um, 
of her ancestors well enough to know that sometimes when God shows up with us and he has great favor in us and he has a situation or a thing or a hope that he puts in our hearts, that sometimes that that hope is actually quite troubling. That sometimes it's actually quite complex. That actually when God puts something in our lives, that it's, it, it, it actually could be something that's going to bring some difficulty into our lives or bring a lot of unknown into our lives or bring a lot of anxiety on whether it can actually come true. So it says Mary was quite troubled. But then the, we continue in the story, if you continue reading, and it says uh, she was troubled by this in the words and wondered uh, what kind of greeting this might be. So I wonder what in the heck God wants to do with me. This is kind of an interesting greeting, greeting that God has his favor on me. Um, I remember God's favor on Abraham. That was a little complex. I remember God's favor on Moses. That was a little difficult. I remember God's favor on Ruth. Holy cow, that was difficult. She probably had all these stories where she's like, are you sure it's not the girl next door? I'm not really sure if I'm ready to have God's favor on me. I'm not sure if I'm ready to have a hope or something. And the angel says something to her very soon in the conversation. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, one of the things I find kind of unique in our society sometimes, and when I say our society, something I find unique in my own self, is did you ever notice that sometimes it's much easier to be cynical? Or we like to also, I like to use the word practical. That sometimes it's much easier to not have a dream. That sometimes it's much easier to not believe in something. That sometimes it's a lot easier to not think that something big is happening or could happening. And a lot of times, I believe, at least for me, my cynicism, my practicality, my just being grounded in reality, sometimes is the fact that I'm afraid. You know, even though Mary is going to escort and bring in and care for all by herself for a while, the hope of the whole world, um, you would think that the next phrase that the angel would have to say is, hey, now don't go get a big head. Settle down. You know, God's still in this. But the thing is, is the thing that the angel has to say to Mary is, don't be afraid. It's scary to hope. It's scary to think that you might be participating in doing something, a part of something, bringing something into the world that is going to change things for the better. And so the angel has to tell Mary, don't be afraid. You know, in a season of hoping and wondering, um, sometimes we can become very cynical. Uh, we are fortunate enough to have a 24-hour news cycle. Have any of you noticed that? I mean, if you watch a 24-hour news cycle, um, it seems pretty dark. It seems pretty hopeless. Uh, it seems like if you were practical, what you would buy your kids for Christmas uh, this year would be a bulletproof backpack, which the sales have skyrocketed, right? Probably some bulletproof pants, some bulletproof T-shirts. You know, that you might keep your kids away from home that, um, you know, God is nowhere in our school's hallways. And y y if you watch the news cycle, it can get pretty dark. It can get, it, you can become fairly cynical. You, if you watch the news locally, again, and we see we have three students that died this weekend, it just can seem dark. We got the fiscal cliff coming, right? 
We survived the Mayan end of the year, so we don't have to worry about that one anymore. I guess the math is wrong, so we maybe have to, but at least for this first time. But there are all these things, and we can just become very cynical people, and it's sometimes very scary to hope in that, to hope that we might get the problems fixed, to hope that, you know, there's maybe a lot of good that's going on in our world, to hope that maybe God can come into some very evil um, horrible situations and still somehow redeem them, still somehow do something good and something beautiful in them. It's scary to hope. It's much easier to be cynical. It's much easier to be practical. It's much safer, is it not? And Mary has a good reason to be scared because she asks a legitimate question if you follow the text. Next slide, please. Um, so she was told you're going to bring to birth the Messiah, the Savior. So she has a pretty legitimate question here. Um, how will this be, Mary asks the angels, since I am a virgin? I would call that a very practical question. You know, the interesting thing is, is when Mary is first faced with hope, she has questions. And I don't think those questions are unfair. Even though it's tough and it's scary to believe, she just asks, how can this happen? I'm a maiden. I'm a virgin. Me and Joseph have not gone out to that place. And, you know, so we have some difficulties here. And so Mary is like, look, I don't know how this is going to be. And so the angel talks to her and talks about how, here's the deal, Mary. God, the Holy Spirit, God's work, what he's going to do is going to overshadow what's happening in your life. Is going to overshadow some of the practicalness and the cynicism you have. God's going to do that, and Mary ponders on this thought, and Mary thinks on this thought, and what I love about the end of the story when, the, uh, when uh, Mary is pondering about this, in verse uh, 38, she eventually says, may your word to me be fulfilled. So she gets a glimpse of hope, a glimpse of that she's going to bring that really the hope of the world in, um, onto this earth that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. She is afraid. She is cynical. She questions it. She thinks about the practicality of it. All natural, all important. She is reassured not to be afraid. And after she ponders it, thinks about it, considers it, asks some questions, thinks about the logistics, she ends the statement with, okay, I'm going to hope. I'm going to do it. I'm going to accept what you say to me today. That your word will be fulfilled and that it'll come true. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a question for you today. What are some hopes? What are some dreams? What are some things that you have deep down in your heart? And you might be in the same place as Mary. You first of all might think, wow, that's a scary thing. Trying to tell somebody that, trying to pursue that, trying to go after that, that's incredibly scary. You might be in the place where you're making lists or where you're thinking about it when you're driving and you're starting to question the practicality of it. Can this actually happen? Do I have the resources to do it? Will people support me? Do I have the guts to go through with what I'm hoping for? Do I have the courage and the endurance to survive it? And what I hope today, and what I hope this Christmas season, this Advent season we can do, is we can learn from some of the women who have hoped. 
and especially Mary, and to say it's all right to have those questions. It's all right to be afraid. It's all right to be practical, to question, to look at things. But my hope is that you will hear God whisper into your ear, don't be afraid. And that you will find yourself like Mary to say, may it be fulfilled. May the dream, may the hope, may the thing that I want to come, may the better that I see and I envision in my life and my family's life, may it come true. Because I think when you hit that place of may it come true, you begin the work of pursuing it, right? Because, see, once Mary said, may it become true, it's not like, oh, sweet, you know, I'm going to hang around, I'm going to be pregnant, going to have a baby, everybody's going to love it. Her context, you remember, is an ancient world. Many women die because of bearing a child. Many children don't make it through the childbearing process. So she's got to now begin the hard process of, of taking care of a baby, of bringing a baby into this world, which is tough. And to make things tougher, you know the story. The government decides at this time it's going to have a census, and Joseph and Mary have to go to Joseph's hometown in Bethlehem. So they have to make what for us doesn't seem like a big deal, but on a donkey, a 10, 15-mile trek to Bethlehem while she's pregnant during an era where it's tough to bring a child into this world, where it's tough for that child to survive, where often it's tough for that mother to survive, they have to make their way to Bethlehem. And so they take this 10-mile trek to Bethlehem, and they quickly find that nobody wants them, that there's not a place for them. Now, a lot of times we look at that and say, well, the census was full. Um, I understand why it was hard to get into a place to stay. But we also have to remember the dynamics of this story. At this point, Joseph and Mary are not married. That can have a stigma sometimes, especially if you're in an ancient Jewish culture that is fired up about their religion. You know, we're going to look at some things here in just a moment, but I think some of Mary and Joseph's difficulty when they got to Bethlehem is people said, look, you're not doing this the right way. We don't have room for you in our house. You've brought shame to our culture. So here's the deal. We at least have enough sympathy for you. We'll find a place in the stable for you and your wife and your so-called child to be. So anyways... They go to Bethlehem, they find a stable, and they have a child. And out in the field are these shepherds, right? And these shepherds are doing their own thing. And some angels appear to them, and some angels show up to them. And when the angels show up to them, the shepherds are scared out of their mind too. And so the shepherds say the same thing, to, or the angels say the same thing to the shepherds. Don't be afraid to hope. Don't be afraid to believe that what is happening in Bethlehem is true. And he and they, and, and the angels explain that the, the hope of the world has been born, and that gives them the courage to come check it out in Bethlehem. And I want you to really, I want to focus again a little bit on this part of the story. And so when the angels come, we got to go the other direction, I think, or just slide off. Oh, no, we're here. When the angels had left them, the shepherds, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's check out this baby. And so they come, and they check out the baby, and they tell Mary everything that had happened. Now remember, up to this point, as far as we can tell in the text, Mary still has not sent a Twitter out about what has happened between her and the angel. All right? Mary still has not Facebooked post anybody. 
Um, we know that Joseph is a little bit in on the story, but we don't know that their grandparents are in on the story, right? We don't know that aunts and uncles are in on the story, on what Mary, Mary was bringing into this world. We don't know that anybody else in this world other than Joseph and Mary up to this point are in on the story that Mary is carrying the Messiah, the hope of the world, that she has a miraculous uh, conception inside of her, that something big is going on. And so it's really interesting when the angels show up or the shepherds show up, they begin to talk about these angels and what the angels said, and the angels reaffirm what Mary was hoping for and reaffirm what Joseph was hoping for. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, is in the conversation, this would be my tendency, if a bunch of shepherds showed up and said, hey, some angels showed up, said that the Messiah was born, he's, he's in a stable, my response to all the people around and to all my family would, around would be like, oh, yeah, 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 let me tell you my story now too. Nine months ago, I didn't get pregnant with Joseph, an angel came, right? This is your time to justify yourself, to be like, yes, I'm so glad someone finally told you. I'm so glad someone finally got you in the loop. I'm so glad someone can kind of show I'm not crazy for what I'm believing and for what I'm hoping. I'm so pumped up that somebody else gets it, and I'm going to tell you all the things that God's done in my life and all the miraculous things and the angel and how he made it and what he said to me. But when the, shepherds are, when the shepherds are speaking and telling about this, Mary doesn't use it as an opportunity yet to justify what she's doing and what she believes and what she's carrying. Instead, what Mary does with her hope that this is the Messiah is it says she does this. Mary treasured, and this is treasured what the shepherds said. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word treasure here is kind of like she hoarded them. In other words, she didn't let anybody else in on them yet. She just all by herself thought about them and considered them and heard the words what people said, and she treasured them because they were so important to her because it gave her a little courage that she could continue to hope that what she was pursuing and what she was doing was true. She treasured them and she pondered them. Pondered them basically means she connected them. She connected them to the herself, to what was going on in her own life. Have you ever treasured or pondered something somebody has said, maybe nobody else around you understands the beauty of it or the value of it? Have you ever had somebody come up and um, affirm you or say something to you in a way and nobody else understood how powerful it was? You see, sometimes when we're hoping, not everybody will get it. Not everybody will understand what's going on. Not even sometimes the people that come and encourage you and speak into your life will know what's happening. But sometimes you have to pay real close attention to what people are saying and what people are doing. And sometimes you have to hold on to those things. You know, there are a few things in my life that I treasure and that I ponder. There are a few things I kind of like to talk, so there's not a lot of them. But there are a few things where people have kind of said encouraging words to me. There have been things in the past where people have said things to me that I've treasured, that I've pondered, that I've connected to what I was hoping for, what God had placed in my heart, 
to confusing times and let them just kind of guide you through it. You see, sometimes the thing about hope is not everybody around you will get it and understand it. But a few might. And a few might speak into your journey and encourage you when they don't even know know it. And when that happens, treasure those moments. Keep them close. Hold on to their words. Hold on to their encouragement. And so the story continues for Mary. And if you know what happens after this, Mary takes Jesus to the temple. And there's a rabbi there who's like, oh, I've been waiting my whole life for this. And so he's been hoping, and it comes true because he got to see the birth of Jesus. And then after that, after taking him to the temple, there's these magi that arrive, these sorcerers that arrive um, from some of the other countries around there because they had been looking at some predictions and they'd been looking at some scrolls and they'd been told that there was this Messiah, that there was this Savior of the world that was coming, and they come. And I think of Mary again. Just confirmation after confirmation that this is the hope of the world. That what God promised her was true and real. And I wonder sometimes um, if we're patient enough to have that happen. Because one of the things we forget is this didn't all happen the night Jesus was born, did it? The Magi showed up years after Jesus was born. A year and something after Jesus was born. But all during that time while she's waiting, she's thinking, I wonder, I wonder if I'm, I wonder if this is true. I wonder if God's going to really do it. I wonder if I was right to think that this was too scary and that this was too outrageous to happen. Or I wonder if I can really take courage in the thought of don't be afraid. What I'm hoping for is going to come true. What I was hoping for, what I believed in, that I'm carrying the hope of the world is going to come true. And if you watch them, there was an escape to Egypt. And they have to go to Egypt because Herod is, is killing all the babies, the two-year-olds. So, again, she hopes that she's bringing in the hope of the world, but then the government decides it's going to kill all the boys that are the age of the baby you brought into this world. And she's got to wonder, can I make it? And so she goes to Egypt. And when they come back, They won't go back to Bethlehem. They decide to go back to the original town they were living in as Nazareth because even when they come back, they're worried that Herod's Herod's son is still going to be bitter about the prophecy over Jesus and he's still going to try to to kill him. So she's got all these people, all these things, all these circumstances, some people trying to kill the dream, stop the hope. And yet she has the audacity to believe and to hope and to continue and to nurture and to care for what's going to be the Messiah. But it doesn't end as a baby, right? And I want to show you just a couple things from Jesus' adult life. Check this one out. As Jesus grew older, he began to take on the fact that he was the Messiah. He began to teach. And where he started was in his hometown of Nazareth, all right? Nazareth was a community of people highly committed highly committed Jewish people. And so there's this point where Jesus was teaching and he was teaching in this house. And there's this this point in the story, which I've just always found this scripture fascinating in Mark 3. It says, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were uh, not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, 
he is out of his mind. He is crazy. The baby, the child that Mary believed was the hope of the world. Her sons, we don't know if family even includes her. At some point, people thought that that very hope was crazy. Ridiculous. You know, true hope is hard at times. True hope, sometimes you have to go and you have to look your family in the face and have them ridicule you. Sometimes you have to go to your workplace. Sometimes you have to go to your friends. And, and these people didn't dislike Jesus. They were looking out for him. They weren't trying to be mean to him. They were trying to rescue him. And, you, and you'll have people try to intervene with true hope sometimes when you're hoping for something and when you believe something and when you want to see it come true. You'll have people intervene and just be practical, like, hey, just leave the poor little guy alone. He's crazy. Imagine if you were Mary at this point. This, is what, this was the dream God gave you, that this person that your sons and rest of your family thinks is crazy is going to be the Messiah is going to put the world all back together again. I mean, imagine it. You've hung in there. And to think that this hope is crazy, that it's never going to happen. I want to show you another thing from Jesus' life that Mary had to endure and Mary had to think about with this hope that she was promised and maybe why she had to be reminded not to be afraid. This comes from Mark uh, 6. And there's this little story in there where it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. So he was in another town. He went back to Nazareth, okay? Accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? And then they, ask, then they say this interesting question, and you can miss something here. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this Mary's son? If you read scriptures, very seldom, if you read any ancient text, very seldom will you hear somebody referred to as a mother's son. There is a dig in this statement which is that Jesus is a um, largemouth, okay, feces, turd, right? That's, that's what they're saying. That J Jesus, you're a, in his own hometown, basically they're saying you're not legitimate. Your mom was out getting around. You don't have a father. By the way, by this time, Jesus' dad had died. They believe Joseph died when he was a teenager. So Jesus had watched his father die. The whole community he lived in thought he was illegitimate. The word actually in the scriptures is that he was a mamzer. That he wasn't legitimate. See, see, this hope that Mary had to go through had to walk through a community that didn't believe, not only didn't believe in him, but didn't believe he fit in. 
that didn't believe he was even legitimately as valuable as the rest of the people around him. You see, hope is a scary thing. Because what if it's not legitimate? What if you're not legitimate? What if you're not the kind of person that that kind of hope can come through? You know? I mean, imagine what Jesus had to go through. But not just what Jesus had to go through. Imagine what Mary had to go through. Her teenage son going out to play with the other kids and finding out that they kind of laughed at him and they would poke fun at him and say, like, hey, it's Mary's boy. You don't have a dad. Oh, how can you be the Messiah? You're a mamzer. I mean, you, you aren't even legitimate. You see, it's scary sometimes to hope for things and to believe for things, especially when the rest of the world doesn't even think it's legitimate. And this is a hope that Mary had to go through, and this is a hope, I mean, obviously that Jesus himself had to go through. Look, Mary, th- this can't be true. He's not even legitimate. You're one of those people. And again, a much different society than we have now. I mean, imagine this thing that you're, you're hoping for, you're pursuing, and the community around you doesn't even think it's legitimate. In fact, this ends with this statement. This little scene ends with this statement. Next slide. Uh, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not is without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So this hope, this dream, the place that it had the least amount of honor and support and acceptance was in Mary and Jesus' own home. Amongst his own people his friends, his schoolmates, his co-workers. No wonder Mary had to remind him to to not be afraid. Hoping is tough. It's hard. It takes endurance. You have to put up with a lot. Sometimes you have to put up with people even claiming that you or it is illegitimate. But it doesn't end there. One other scene I want to share, and there's just hundreds of scenes we could show. This is the last scene I want to show. Next slide, please. We're kind of like the B-School crew today. The B-Squad's up. Um, the next scene at the end of any of the gospels you see this this scene where Mary's baby her hope, the thing she believed in the person that she thought God was promising to this world uh, the the hope that she was promised, you know, don't be afraid this is, God's going to do something through you, God's going to make this happen Uh, she stands in Jerusalem one day near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Uh, 
this would be like saying at uh, at his hospital bed when he died of leukemia stood his mother. The hope seemed dead. Done. And not just only was she hoped that God was going to do with her son and her baby, but her actual connection as a mother, gone. She stood at the cross, stood at the cross watching it end, seeming over, being done. You know, sometimes the scary thing about hoping is it, it doesn't end the way we think, does it? Shouldn't he be on a chariot, a throne? Shouldn't there be hundreds of thousands of people flocking to follow this guy? He's the Messiah. He's going to rule the world. He's going to put it back together. He's going to restore it all. He's going to bring Israel, Israel back to its rightful place in the world. He's going to set things right. This is what I was promised. This is what I was hoping in. This is what my baby was supposed to do. This was what what I carried for nine months into the world was supposed to do. You told the shepherds, you told the magi, I have treasured it. I have kept it in my heart. I have thought about it. I have pondered it. I have never let it go. People thought he was crazy and I stayed with him. My hometown hated him. His friends thought he was illegitimate. Our community wouldn't accept this hope. And I've stayed with him. I've hoped. I've cherished it. I've kept it in my heart. I've believed it. And then Mary had to stand at the cross. Over. Done. Finished. Dead. And isn't that really the scariest thing of all is to hope? in something that just isn't going to finish the way we expect it to? Right? Sometimes we don't apply for that job because what if we don't get it? Sometimes we don't have that conversation with our friend or our spouse because what if it doesn't go well? Sometimes we don't step out and take that risk for our family because what if we get embarrassed? What if it... What if it ends on a cross? What if it ends there? What if it's done? What if it's over? I'm not willing to do that. That's too scary. That's too big of a deal. That's too much pain to go through. But the interesting thing about hope, and especially when that hope is Jesus, is even if it ends differently than we were expecting or are expecting, we serve a God who wastes nothing. I wonder if Mary felt that she wasted a lot of time, not on her son, but on setting him up to eventually die on a cross. But if you follow the story, if you follow the story, three days after this scene, 
Mary, not the mother Mary, another Mary, and some other women. I'm going to make an inference here that Jesus' mom was probably with her. Mary and some other women, after it is all done, she's lost her son, she's lost her hope. It's over. Mary and some other women go into a tomb and do you know what they're greeted with? An angel. And do you know what the angel says? Don't be afraid. Because he is risen. Don't be afraid, Mary. Because he is risen. You see, Mary had the audacity to hope. Mary had the audacity to not settle for cynicism or practicality. Mary had the audacity to cherish and to think about and put together what was going on around her in this hope of hers. Some of you know what this is like because you have kids and you have hopes for them. Mary stuck by her son when her family thought he was crazy. Mary took care of that hope, nurtured it probably encouraged it, hugged it, probably sat on the side of the bed and let that hope cry with her when the whole community thought that hope was illegitimate. That that hope was a manzer. Didn't belong. No way it could happen. Mary sat, for a lack of better words, at the hospital bed when that hope seemed to be dead. But in the end, Mary might have said, what a waste. What a horrible thing. I knew I shouldn't have hoped. I knew I shouldn't have believed, or believed this. I knew I should have just taken care of my baby. But in the end, when we're willing to hope, even when it doesn't turn out the way we think we, we, it will, we serve a God who wastes nothing. And God did not waste the cross. And God did not waste the promise and the hope that he gave Mary. And God did not waste Jesus' death. But instead, don't be afraid because he is risen. The hope has come back alive. And here's the interesting thing. He is risen means he's defeated death. The ultimate way of ending a dream, right? Right? You want to end somebody's dream? Kill them. Done. Over. But the reality of it is in Jesus' world and in God's world, even death doesn't come up victorious. And so during this season of hope, of Advent, we believe that Mary ushered in a light, ushered in a hope, and you know, you can look around in your own life and you can look around in the world and you can think some things are dead, that some things are gone, that some things are over, that there's no hope. But one of the things we do is we take great courage from the story of our ancestors, Mary being one of those. And when things get hard and when things get tough and when things like, seems like things are over, sure, we stand at the cross and we cry 
and we mourn and we weep. But we also realize that we don't need to be afraid because He is risen. That when God places something in our hearts, something in our souls, some hope, some belief, it cannot be destroyed. It cannot be killed. It cannot be ended. And so we have to do some reality checks. The reality of it is, is when we see things that happened in Connecticut, our job is to be like Mary, to stand at the cross and to realize that that's horrific, horrible, mourning. To know and to say outright, this is not the way it's supposed to end. This is not the way it's supposed to be. When we hear of young children dying in a fire, we mourn it. We cry for it. We stand at the cross and we say it's not the way it's supposed to be. When our kids make mistakes and are hurting and it doesn't seem like they're going to make it through it, we cry, we mourn, we speak out loud and realize and are just honest that this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the hope, the dream. This is not what God put inside of us. This is not it. When life takes a turn that you weren't expecting, you lose a job, you lose a friendship, finances fall apart. We stand at the cross just like Mary, realizing that this is not the hope, this is not the dream. This is not what God put inside of me. This is not what I've nurtured. This is not what I've tended and cared for. This is not the way it's supposed to be. But then, we hear the angel. We hear the promise. And this is the important part with hope. Don't be afraid. And that doesn't mean it gives you an answer, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, because three days later, you go into a tomb, and an angel says, don't be afraid, he's risen. And when it seems like hope is dead and done, we keep believing, we keep trusting, we keep pursuing, because we know what God has promised us. I want to share this verse to end it today. In 1 Corinthians 13, or excuse me, 15, it says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing, let nothing move you. Because Jesus has defeated death. So whatever that hope is in your life, whatever that thing you're hoping for, do not let anything move you or sway you or take you away from it. 
because Jesus has conquered even death. Always give yourselves wholly to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, when we watch the 24-hour news cycle, we can think that our labor is in vain. It's no good. There's too much darkness. There's too much bad. How do you come up against it? How do you defeat it? But the reality is that as people who follow Jesus, as people who know where our ancestors have come from, death cannot even stop what we did. Death cannot even stop what we will still do. And we will not be moved. We will still labor towards what God has called us to. And that's hard. Because it's scary. There's a lot in life that can get in the way of that. People can think it's crazy. People can think you're illegitimate. Sometimes it can seem like it's dead and lost and over. But we know not to be afraid of that. Because he is risen. He's alive. And that's the hope that we celebrate today. That's the birthday and the life that we welcome this morning. Please pray with me and then join us in our closing song. God, hope is a difficult thing. Um, may we learn from Mary. May we learn from what she had to watch and what she had to endure, what she had to go through, um, seeing hope in flesh and blood walk through this world. May we know that it, it can be a dangerous thing to hope. It can be a scary thing to hope. May we be willing to look at it practically, to ask questions. May we understand that some people may think what we hope for is crazy. Some people might speak to, into it and encourage it in ways we could never imagine or that they could ever imagine. Some people might work hard to kill the hope inside of us. Some people might delegitimize it. Sometimes we might even be staring it down and thinking that it's all over. Um, but we know that you and your example, that things are never done when we think they're done. So help us to not be afraid because you're risen. When we look at tragedy, help us to know that that's not the end. Help us to be real and honest and cry at the cross, but to trust and to hope that something better is going to happen in the end. When things don't work out in our family the way we thought, help us to mourn and cry at the cross, but may we remember that we don't need to be afraid because it's not the end. God, give us the audacity to hope. Give us the courage to be seen as crazy. Give us people to walk with us and encourage us when we're told we're illegitimate. Give us the guts to mourn and to cry when things don't work out the way we thought. And give us the strength to believe that hope is never finished. It's never dead. Help us to not be afraid. To hope. In Jesus' name. Amen.
please stand if you're willing and able.